G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, welcome to our show today, Hunty. G'day mate. Good to see you man. Always good to be here. It's good to be back in the same studio, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's so nice to be in the same room, love What it. do we do, this show, two, three months? Yes. Or more? Relying on Maybe. crazy internet connections? Well, especially in my house. Yes. My house has not got good internet. No. So glad to see you mate. And we've got good a good, to see you too, bud. We've got a good program today. We have we've a got, great program, um, yep. Harold Harker, he's going to talk about Martin Luther Part 2. That'll be good. He's a great hero. And then... We've got this little hottie that you like to talk nice, sweet <laughs> things about. It might that be? Liska, my Your wife. wife yep. She's got some pretty good stories, too. <laughs> hey, it's a big day for New South Wales today. Huge. We're celebrating. I know we're not supposed to talk about COVID and vaccines. Oh, this is a celebration. We can. 90... 90 plus percent. They clicked over 90% double vaxxed today. That's it. And 94% single vaxxed. Well, which is leading unbelievable. Yep. And so, if we get into trouble now, I think we can probably say pretty confidently the vaccination doesn't work. <laughs> well, our LGA is over ninety five percent. Yeah, I know where we live. Yeah, it's fantastic. Un- what do you think it has? What do you think has been the thing that has encouraged people in New South Wales? Do you think it's that we had that bad COVID outbreak and right through winter? Yeah, that could have been it. And the fact that people are seeing the vaccine works because. I mean, for ages, there was no one in ICU that was un- that was vaccinated. They were just all unvaccinated. I actually put on my social media account today, well done, New South Wales, proud of you. I saw that. <laughs> you might not win too many State of Origins, but you oh. smoke Queensland on this one. <laughs> I don't know where Queensland is. I think they're languishing somewhere back at 70, 70% or way down the, yes. the line they're getting, they're getting there. Yeah, they are, they are. But, look, it's a good thing, 90%. I don't know whether there'd be too many other places in the world that have that sort of rate. No, we're up there with the, with the best of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, let's hope and pray that it does have an impact on COVID and that it does die away in Australia because although we haven't suffered like others have, it's kind of been on us for a fair while, hasn't it? Has. Now, Hunty, we're going to do Ask the Aussie Pastor today. Always. It's never too late once the program starts to still get questions. No, I've in. got a, I've got a li- couple of live portals in front of me where you can text us or email us. But we have got a fairly full board already today. We have some great questions yeah, today. from our listeners. And yes. It's wonderful that yes. you're starting to respond. In fact, we're starting to wonder about the radio because they come in and spits and spats on the radio. But when we're doing this online... On, on television. Yeah, kind of get inundated with heaps of questions. Um, but I don't, I don't let you... Use them, do I, Hunty? No, but I think our radio listeners are probably driving or working. They probably don't have their phones. Probably a little bit harder. Or computers, you know, in front of them. So if you want to send a question in on religion and or uh, the Bible or anything really in life, how do you do that, Hunty? We would love to hear you. You can text them to us on 0488 or you can email them to us in the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. So, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whether you're in your car or you're at home, we're so glad you're with us today, and I hope and I pray you get a little glimpse of Jesus and his beauty in this program today. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. 
Hunty, I was talking to you a little bit earlier as we we're getting ready for our program today. Yep. I was making fun of you a little bit, wasn't I? <laughs> Always. Because what do you what do you do every morning? You, you, you re, you've got you've got a pretty fancy setup in your bedroom where you've got a, a TV that's bigger bigger than most movie theatre yep. screens. Yep, yep, yep. At the end of the bed. Yep. Is it right at the end of the bed? It's on a stand at the end of the bed, yep. I'm talking to you as a bloke that's wife won't even let him have a TV. I in know. The house. <laughs> You've got TV envy. <laughs> no, not really. I'm, you know what's surprising when the TV gets out of your house, how quickly you get used to not having it. I'm, I don't miss it at all. But what I was teasing you is about, you're watching every morning from 5.30 a.m. where you record it. What are you watching? I actually record the Channel 9 Today show. And I only know, of all the people in my life, I only know of one other person or persons who watch that program as religiously as you do, and you know who that is, don't you, mate? I do. It's, it's a couple of lovely old geriatrics, good friends of mine. My dad, your mom. parents. <laughs> so I reckon you're well and truly in the baby boomer zone because that's their sort of television. Um, but what, what do you do? This is your way of keeping up the news, isn't it? Oh, look, and also how they're doing the news, their live crosses, what equipment they You laugh, them. actually, have a little smile when things don't work out properly, don't you? It gives me courage. <laughs> I take heart because we face a world of of technical issues. So, actually, it, it's very difficult for us to go live. And every every Tuesday we do this, and this program is live. It so, is live. Promise you that. Um, I don't even think there's a delay, is there, Hunty? No, we we are dangerously live. Yeah. <laughs> if I put my foot in my mouth, the whole world gets to hear. It always gives me a bit of joy, though, <laughs> as it does you when I do. <laughs> Um, some of the news stories, I did get a good news story. I think it's a good news story. I saw your good news story. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a twist in the Cleo case. There, is, don't know a, there what, is a twist. The Cleo case is the story of this little girl who got uh, kidnapped by a young man over there in Western Australia. What is that twist? Well, I've actually got a friend um, over in WA who, who works with the police, and apparently... You're not telling stories here that no, are going to get you or this no, radio station into trouble. No, not at all. Apparently, because we are live, I've got to interject when there and just Cleo was shot <laughs> a little shot across, <laughs> across Hussey's <the> house. <laughs> Apparently, when Cleo was interviewed, she said that there was a lady, a female, that helped her get dressed and did her hair each morning. She did look very well kept. So, I guess the the police now are looking for an accomplice of some sort. It's one of the most surprising cases i've ever seen i know that's being reflected by the in the news reports and by the police themselves yep we've got a little girl who was taken for 18 days and it seems at this stage and i think we've got to be very careful but it seems at this stage that she she hasn't um suffered any real injury well you hope and pray that's the case that's right and if there's two people in it one thing you know the police always have a way of getting to the bottom of these things well, if, don't they if what i heard is true that's encouraging to me because i was thinking was he bathing and dressing her yeah, well. So I'm happy to know that she, that there was a lady involved taking care of her. Yeah, we're glad of that. Um, Monster Kangaroo Mall's woman. Oh, my goodness, yes. That's a scary thing. It is, especially especially when you consider how much power um, a six-foot-tall kangaroo has. I did some research today. Uh, a six-foot-tall kangaroo has the capacity to kick you equivalent to three footballers charging you flat out. Three hundred and fifty plus kilos. Well, I remember on um, I remember on um, I, I guess it would have been YouTube or somewhere seeing the picture of a big male kangaroo, and they freaked me out a bit. To tell you the truth, I don't take them on. I, I was attacked once by a, a small kangaroo, and I was surprised how much go it had. Oh it? yeah. Well, um, um, but this big male kangaroo had hold of a dog like 
Roger. My, yes. My I've seen Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and that, that dog had no go. Yeah, the dog was struggling, eh? Yeah, in fact, yeah. Uh, where I used to live before this place, big male kangaroos had come up almost to our back door. And I remember Roger out there one day, and the fence w- w- was high enough to stop him getting over, and there right. was this big kangaroo. I think Roger thought the thing had run, and he charged the fence, and he was barking. That big kangaroo, he'd just sit there and go, go ahead, make my you day. make my day. <laughs> but it is unusual for those listening who aren't really up to what kangaroos are like and how they work. It is unusual for a kangaroo to attack somebody. It is unusual, but if you corner them, apparently they can't. They can't take a step backwards. No. So they'll take you on. So if you get too close to them and there's nowhere for them to go but forwards, so they have to clear the way. What about this idea, and I've been hearing this over and over. In fact, my dog, Roger, as you know, had a massive big fight this oh, week with our cat. Yes. Um, put, I was trying to pull them apart and fell over and split my head and blood was everywhere and the dog's going crazy and the cat, cat bit me on the hand. and oh, well, That's the second time that cat's bitten me. But really the cat was lucky to escape with its life and the dog is, this American staffer, he is so fierce with other animals. He is, as you know, he's such a lover. Oh, yeah. He's a soul lover when it comes to human beings. But with other animals, he's a psychopath. (laughs) Uh, There's more to this story. You're not Sherry. Dare I share the rest of this story? I'm, I'm trying to remember what part. I oh, they bid to put you in emergency at midnight? Oh, well, I already <laughs> shared that. I fell over and, and split my head and trying to hold Roger back. Right. Yeah, it was that embarrassing fact, is it? Or, oh, I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, in, I was in hospital until after midnight. It's not the first time Roger's put me in hospital, actually. No. Um, separating him from another dog fight, and he accidentally tagged me, and I ended up in surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So this dog is, is pretty fierce with other animals. Um, and, and a couple of people said to me, oh, that's a sign of the times. So I said, what do you mean? They said, well, as everybody and everything else is going berserk out there, so is the animal world. Have you ever heard that? I, I guess I have heard that, but I didn't think that applied in this case. They thought it did. Okay. So I've got a dog that's a sign of the times? Well, I don't know about that. Well, each to their own. Yeah, well, look. Could be. Could may, be. Maybe as, yeah. as things deteriorate, the animals are losing control. But it, it did seem a bit strange, but I thought I'd ask you today and see what you think about that. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, well, for a kangaroo to attack a woman mm. in her backyard, mm. that too is unusual. Although, as you said, it's not unheard of. Mm. And you've been attacked yourself. I have, in a, camp, in a campsite. Yeah. What about these food banks that I... are increasingly, and this is in West London, mm. which... What, England? You know England pretty well. You've been mm. there a lot. Have you lived there? It's an expensive place to live, and if you look at their, their base hourly rate, it's it's low. It's 12, 13 Australian dollars an hour, seven pounds an hour. Are you sure that's the English? Positive. They've got a low base pay. Their, I don't know about that. Their pay rate, well, considering how expensive everything is, that's a pretty low base pay rate. So that is their base, six or seven pounds. So if you're working in McDonald's or working in a, like the lowest possible job, you're on seven pounds an hour. That's pretty hard going. Pretty hard going, yeah. Although there's been a 30% rise in people going to food bank yes. in just the last few weeks. Media, journalists, architects, It's not just the lack of jobs either. As we talked about last week, there seems to be a problem with the supply chain. And you could say, well, it's Brexit in England and London and the UK. Well, there are 100,000 uh, truck drivers short, and because of COVID, they're not accrediting heavy vehicle drivers. So there's still 100,000 lorry drivers short. Then why have we got the same thing happening in the United States? 
I looked into the, the, the cost of living in England and a large chunk of people's pay is going in heating and energy. But why in the United States? If they don't seem to have a truck driving problem. It seems to me that, yeah, that could be part of it, but there is a supply, there is a world supply chain problem. Okay. Things aren't getting, and it is again because of COVID. Mm. You know, people are sick, they're not getting on the boats, they're not unloading. You know, in, in the United States, it was like they're off LA, there's like 350, 400 boats waiting to be unloaded right now. Because mm. they can't unload them. Mm. Wow. I looked into electricity prices in England, and what I discovered, the energy companies are making billions, and the top the top tier energy companies are making 7%. So this is doing nothing. This is just charging someone for electricity, not providing it, not plugging it in, just signing you up and invoicing you. They're making 7% on your power bill. I think that's unconscionable. What you think seven percent's too much? Yeah, ridiculous. When governments gave away, when governments gave away, you know, lines and poles and gave away utilities, I think that the consumers ultimately are going to continue to suffer. I noticed yesterday that Sydney Airport's for sale, so it'll only be a matter of weeks before okay. each plane gets charged more to land. Thank, thank you and, uh, to yes. our socialist co-commentator <laughs> here, Andrew Hunt. <laughs> a good news story. Yes, please. Sleep with your pet. Apparently. If you have your dog or your cat on your bed, you are going to generally sleep better, have less stress, and be an overall happier person. Now, I know yes that's not no. going yes no. to work with you. I used to sleep with my pet as a kid. Really? I had a dog I had in my bed, in my bed all the time. I Loved can't it. imagine you doing that. Loved it. Loved really? It. This, is a, this is a bloke who won't, listeners, this is a guy who won't let a dog in his car now. I do. Oh, not easily. I've, I've had. I found a dog at the side of the road the other day. I threw it in my car. And oh, did you? Took to the vet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you are a closet animal lover. I'm, or a, I'm, you're a, dog, out? I'm a dog lover. Oh, okay. But let me let me put a bit of caution on this uh, sleeping with your pets thing. Apparently, it's great for the pet. Apparently, it really gives them a sense of belonging and trust, and and it's it's a great thing for them. But for the human, you get these little tiny micro <laughs> wake ups. I'm laughing because I, I know I know exactly what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is you go to sleep, but pets don't sleep like us, and so you got a big dog. Because I used to sleep, I used to let Lucky my dogs. I used to let her sleep on my bed. Yep. She'd wake me up three or four times <laughs> a night, and there was no mercy. She'd tread all over the top of me, you know. But that look, that's okay. We don't mind. Um, I, look, I, I, I think in the end, um, um, it can work for you, but it might not too. Yeah, that's right. One thing I know is when I got married, luck was. You know, when I got married, yep, I can say this about Lizzie. She she might kill me for saying this. When I no dinner for me tonight. <laughs> Oh, she's online too. She's online too. She's watching you, brother. When we got married, I have this beautiful... The the first time Lizzie meets Lucky, she comes into my house and she sits down on the lounge Uh next to me. Uh Uh-oh. Lucky seriously jumped up in between us. (laughs) She was not going to happen. She started furiously to lick my face, taking complete ownership from me. So we're getting ready. We've fallen deeper and deeper in love, me and Liska, and we're getting ready to get married. And Liska said, oh, when we get married, Lucky can still stay. She can't go on the bed. She can stay in our room on the floor. I said, well, that's fabulous. That's fantastic. So we get married. Guess what happens when we got married? Surprise She's out. Lucky's out the door in the garage on the door. Dog house out in the backyard. Oh dear, I had to learn. But I must admit, when I went through a very difficult time of a marriage breakup 15, 16 years ago, 
lucky came into yep. my life and having her by my side. Yep, she was your soulmate she at was. the time. It helped yep. me immensely through that time of pain. And losing Lucky, yep. she died, what, a couple of years ago, 2019. It was uh, November 2019. Yep. Losing dear old Luck was probably one of the most painful experiences of my life. Mm. Do you know what? Yep. As we look at these news stories today, yep. not so much the good news one, but all the bad ones, the food shortages, little fella getting little girl being kidnapped, um, the struggles we're having in life, even with the animals going a bit crazy. You can say, can't you, with some assurance that it looks like the signs tell us, yep. Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song from Alan Jackson and Alison Krauss. Actually, Alan Jackson, one of my favourite singers. Yeah, me too. Big country star in America. The Angels Cried. You know I put this one on? What's that? It's a Christmas song. Oh, really? Christmas in November. Reckon, yeah, yeah, well, look, I reckon it's time we started to break Christmas. Start to wind her up. Just a little slowly, but let's start to break it. It's a beautiful song, The Angels Cried. They came from far, following a distant star to where he lay. Not being sure of what it meant, but knowing it was heaven sent, they made their way. And the creatures gathered round and didn't make a sound. And the angels cried The angels knew what was to come The reason God had sent His Son From up above It filled their hearts with joy to see And knowing of His destiny Came tears of love
Nice song, hunty. Mm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's actually not that far away. I know, right? I think it's 40 odd days to Christmas. What are we looking at? What's the date today? The 9th of November. 9th of November. Yep. Just over a month, I reckon. There you go. Yeah, Liska's listening. I might encourage her to start getting ready those Christmas presents for me. She, she buys Homer presents. Do you know what a Homer present is? Uh, that, that's a present for yourself. That's what she buys. She buys something that she needs and then it labels it for Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Harold, are you online? Oh, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. I've made a mistake here. All right. Now we got Harold. Yep. Yeah, you online there, Harold? Yes, I am. And it's great to be with you. What a great story this is. Well, before we get into that, are you, are you an animal lover? Well, I, when I was a kid, I used to have a cat that slept on my bed. Okay. But do you have any, you don't have animals now? No. Where we are, there are no animals. And oh. we have, we have, we've had dog when the kids grew up and we've had cats, but. Well, the dogs yeah. allowed inside or you're, no, they've got to be outside sort of. Good they're fella. an outside dog. <laughs> Okay, that's like my dad He doesn't like them inside unless they're little Yeah, there's a great story This is the second part of Martin Luther Um, And I thought I might start by asking you, Harold um, If you could tell us about what Martin Luther initially believed And why he was such a troubled young man It might set us up for where we're going today Well, Luther believed that God was a very hard taskmaster And you couldn't do everything to make him happy You just had to keep trying And so whatever he did, it wasn't enough to feel peace with God. And then he began reading the scriptures. And the scriptures, of course, have the great thing that we are justified by faith. We're made right with God as we believe on Jesus. And he went to Rome. And whether it was when he climbed those sacred stairs, that is the study of the scriptures and the knowledge that if you believe in Jesus... That's the answer. So that's where he found his peace. That's right. Is it true that Martin Luther, I'm just asking this question off the cuff actually, is it true that Martin Luther used to stay awake all night whipping himself until he's... Yes. He he actually... flagellated himself and everything he could. In fact, he said, if I kept on going a month, it would have killed me. So he really... so much. He really was troubled and he found the gospel which gave him peace. No wonder he liked it so much. Amen. Now, in June 1519, the Duke of Saxony, who seems to be a fairly powerful character in the world at this time, sponsored a debate between Eck and Karlstad. Now, we looked at this a few weeks ago, how Luther joined the debate and more or less elbowed Karlstad to the side. Um, Yes. What was this debate over, and what did Eck force Luther to concede? Well, you've got to remember that Luther's great nailing the theses on the castle door about indulgences, that caused the great discussion uh, in the church. And this duke thought, well, let's have a big discussion. We'll have Eck, who was the leader from the church scene, and Luther, who's made this uh, uh, annoying for the church, with 95 theses against it. Let's have it and we'll talk it out. So it was a debate. It was a debate. It was. But then, you go. You asked what he did. Well, when he was there, Eck was cunning, and he got Luther to finally say that John Huss was right in certain things and that some councils were wrong. So that virtually pushed Luther into the corner of Huss and the Reformers. 
Do you think that really bothered Luther, or do you think he intentionally went? Do you think he was deceived to, to acknowledge that, or he went in there with his eyes wide open, he sawed out and ready for battle? It didn't worry him because he thought that was right. Yeah, so he was happy to be counted with us. Yes. And for those of you who don't know who Huss was, he was an early reformer who, with his friend Jerome, went to the stake in Prague for the Protestant doctrines of righteousness by faith. So um, this debate concludes. Who won the debate, by the way? Well, it really it probably was the better debater, far better than uh, the Karlstadt, the but Luther made his point, but then... It got him on a couple of places he couldn't answer. So as, as people walked out of that, including, um, including the princes and the Duke of Saxony, you think they probably thought Eck got the better of him? Probably, yes. Right. Although Luther still had support. Luther then gets a promise of protection, and this is talking about support of 100 German knights in 1520. Why did he get that protection and what did it mean? Well, you've got to realise that was the year he wrote his great big treatise on good works and then about the papacy in Rome. So he got their backs up, but then he writes an open letter to all the Christian nobles of the German nation and they gather behind him and a hundred of them said, we will support you and we'll back you. Does that mean they would have went to battle for him? Yes, Yes, when you get a hundred of the, that's like half the nation. Well, those knights, you're talking basically the military leaders of Germany, is that correct? There yeah. wasn't just a hundred knights. They would have been supported by thousands of armed soldiers. Is that is that correct? That's right. Was it his theological positions on righteousness by faith that you're saved by Jesus and Jesus alone? Was that what touched the hearts of these knights? Were, that, were these guys, these hardened warriors going through a conversion to Jesus Christ? Yes, I believe so, and they they would see the peace that Luther had, and they found too. An unbelievable story, really, because it was the protection of these knights that allowed the Protestant Reformation, in a sense, to flourish under Martin Luther. Right. They're the reason he never went to the stake, ever. Correct. Um, so things move along. On the 15th of June, 1520, the Pope excommunicates Luther, which is a pretty serious thing. What does that mean? Well, if you're excommunicated, it means he's put out of his orders, he has no authority, he's a nobody, and uh, if anyone wants to kill him, well, that's fine. Wow. So he's, he's a marked man and he's nothing in the church. So he's been excommunicated, literally thrown out of the church because of his views that you're saved by Jesus and Jesus alone. How did Luther react? to this excommunication from the Pope. And I ask this question because sometimes when I'm reading about Luther, he seems to have a bit of a fire in his belly and he, he's more than capable of giving as good as he gets. Is that, is that correct? That's right. But what does Luther do? He starts writing more and more against the, the problems that he sees in the church. So the Pope then sends out a papal bull. What did that stay, uh, say? And, and how did Luther's students and followers in Erfurt react to that? Well, a papal bull says, you are anathema, you are nobody, and don't listen to this fellow. But all his students at Erfurt, they were on the side of Luther. And so they grab this papal bull and throw it down into the river, <laughs> into the water. So there's a fair bit of rebellion going on, on here. So Luther is thrown out of the church. 
Is That's he right. is he reacting? Does he continue to react to this? Yeah, well, he's thrown right out. But uh, you know, Luther said when he gets it himself, guess what he does? His students had thrown it into the water. He gets it, and there's a tree in Wittenberg, yep. and it's called the Luther tree. And he, a group of people were there, and he's delivered this papal bull. And so he, he gets them fire, and he burns it in front of everybody. <laughs> so he's really at odds now with his church. It almost seems like Luther and the church are almost in open warfare. That's correct. Um what does the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V then do? And by the way, just for history, Charles V was probably outside of the Pope, the most powerful man in the Western uh, European nations. What does he do? Well, he was the head of what they called the Holy Roman Empire. And so he was the in charge of virtually Europe mm, mm. Uh, politically, and he summons Luther, you come down to Worms, this place here, and we're going to try you. So Luther turns up de Worm, spelt Worms, W-O-R-M-S. I remember when we went to Europe, you were correcting us pastors on that trip about the, the name of this place. His books are spread out on the table when he gets there. What do the Catholic prosecutors ask him to do and what was his reply? Well, they ask him, you need to recant. Are these your, your books? He said, yes, they're my books. Well, now, will you recant on those? And he says, well... I've written some books about good works that every Christian should do and I don't want to recant on those. That wouldn't be right. And then second, he said, I have attacked the papacy for all of these problems and the indulgences and everything and I can't recant about that. And the third one, he says, I've been a bit harsh maybe when I've attacked people and it was a hands-off, gloves-off uh, type of uh, discussion in those yeah. days, and he said, and that can't be retracted either. <laughs> he wasn't recanting. Actually, I've read some of the things that Luther wrote, and I'm not sure <laughs> that uh, my conference president today, and that's my boss, would tolerate me writing <laughs> as Luther did. He was fair into him. I mean, this guy, if you read it, it's, it's pretty strong language. Um, can you tell us exactly what Luther said at Worms? And these are immortal words. When, asked well, to when he was asked to recant, what did he say? Well, you know, the first day he asked for time and they gave him 24 hours and he comes back and he's standing there in front of uh, Charles V and Eck again was there uh, representing as the prosecutor and then he says, okay, if I cannot be proved wrong by words from scriptures or from some other clear reason, for I do not believe in the Pope or in the councils alone, since they've been shown often to err and to contradict themselves, then I am bound by those passages from Scripture I myself have quoted as long as my conscience is bound by the Word of God, I cannot and will not recant because acting against conscience is unsafe and threatens salvation. God help me. Amen. It is, amen. Is that where he said, here I stand and I can do no other, or is that a that's bit of a... Right. Is that a legend, or did he actually say that? Well, whatever it was, that's where he stood and he did nothing else. That was his stand. Whatever it was, I'm for Scripture, 
and not the Pope and the councils. Yeah, here I stand. I can do to, do no other. What did the emperor do? Well, he didn't know what to do. So he says the proceedings are adjourned. It's almost so closed. It's almost There's like no Luther, answer. Yeah, it's almost like Luther's words are so grand and they're so powerful and they're so full of the Holy Spirit that Eck, that the emperor and all the cardinals they were just about struck dumb by the majesty of of what he was saying. Um, what were the reaction of the Spanish guards? Catholic of the Catholic and and the crowd as Luther walked out of that uh, confrontation. Well, the Spanish guards, they were the soldiers protecting Charles V. And as Luther is walking out, they call out, into the fire with him. Mm. In other words, burn him. That was a real threat too, wasn't it? It was. A genuine bona fide threat. The crowd, they're roaring their approval and they're saying, that's great. And so there's the opposition that the crowd are with him and the soldiers with Charles V are saying, burn him. Do you think, um, Harold, is those knights, those hundred German knights fully armed, heavily armed to the teeth, together with the armies behind them, that other than God's protection protected Luther here? Yes, it did. In fact, if you had 400 knights all armed with their horses and everything else and eight thousand troops ready to do battle for luther man that's a great support (laughs) and i believe god used them to really put luther in freedom now it's a support i've never had (laughs) i've never had an army but well i've had god behind me um so he's supposed to come back in a few months time is that correct but something happens that changes the course really of the entire um the entire story. Yes, he was given three weeks to get back home on his safe conduct, but on the way, when he got near Eisenach, Frederick, who is called the Wise, who was the elector from where he came from, who was supporting him, he arranged privately for some soldiers to grab Luther and take him off to the castle in Wartburg. Was um, Frederick a powerful uh, leader? Yes, he was. He he was he had to tread carefully, but he was a powerful leader because he would he was the older one and he had a lot of sway with all the, the dukes of Germany. So why does he kidnap Luther and why does he take him off to this and I've been there with you actually. It is a very powerful castle. It is. The, the walls are very big. This would not be an easy castle to get into if you're the enemy. Why does why does Frederick take Luther there? to protect him because if he didn't, he realised he mightn't have even got back to Wittenberg. And so he, with unknown to the world, Luther is spirited away into this castle for his safety and the world didn't know where he was. He actually translates what the New Testament while he's in there too, I think. So it's not like he he didn't just go in there and hang about and have a holiday and, and loaf about. He was still on the move doing things to advance the Reformation. Yeah, well, he also tried to get a bit of disguise. He grew a big beard. He was called Yonkers Yorg now. Yep. And he just takes his pen and he translates the scriptures. He's the one who's standing for the scriptures and he now gives it to the German people in their language. Um, was there an ink episode there or is that just a legend? Well, I think it is and they... The, the devil is trying to attack Luther too and he thinks he sees the devil 
and he tosses this inkwell. At least that's the story. Yeah, I, I remember when I was there and we were walking through his room, I was looking for the ink stains on the wall. I, I don't think I found any, Harold, but no. yeah, anyway. So he, he's really left Catholicism now, hasn't he? Because he, he leaves the priesthood and he gets married. Well, tell us about that. Who did he get married to and was he madly in love? You know, when Hunty got married to Jackie, they were madly in love. When, oh, you, yes. when you married Mrs. Harker, you were madly in love. Absolutely. How was Just it? Just like you and Liska. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Now, Luther, um, tell us, was he in love and who did he marry? Well, he didn't get he – was, he was proposed to by – he had saved some nuns that wanted to come out of a nunnery, and when they got there, one of them was Katharina von Bora. Mm-hmm. And she says, I want to marry Martin Luther. And finally, he agrees to it, but there wasn't any love. But they got, that love came during their 20 years of marriage. Yeah, apparently it was a, it was a good marriage, that one. It was. And they, they grew very, very close to each other. Funny how God brings people together in different ways. You're right. Um, and so this old monk marries a, a lovely young lady. Um, he leaves the priesthood. Remind us what happened on his wedding night, because I reckon this is one of the great stories. (laughs) Well, you know, when he was at the university, the guy who puts his doctorate on him was Andrew Karlstadt. And Karlstadt was a bit more of a reformer. He was with all the peasants, and there'd been a peasants' revolt, and he was running because the authorities were after him, and he knocks on Luther's door and says, can I stay here? I need a place to stay. On his wedding on night. This <laughs> wedding night, he gives Karlstadt a place to stay. Wow. As I, as I said when we first heard that story, I'm pretty sure Hunty wouldn't have let me. I would have emptied my chamber pot out the top window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, thanks for that, Hunty. Um, did they have children? And, was, yes. and how, how did that go? Children came to that, that marriage. And one of them we know particularly was a daughter called Magdalena. And she died when she was just 14. Can you imagine having a child just got to 14, not an infant, but they're on their deathbed and he had to nurse his daughter while she was dying? It impacted him deeply, that experience, didn't it? Oh, it it did. It really touched him. He talked later on about resurrection. Um, I think it might have even been at her funeral where he talked about resurrection and how she would rise again to an eternal day. Um, very sad. So Martin Luther continues the Reformation. He, he gets old and he dies. Well, tell us about how Martin Luther died. Well, he was called to try and settle a dispute in Iceland and the place where he was born. Mm. And so he walks, he goes over there, I guess he walks, and he gets to Eisleben, and he preached once in the church, but then he has chest pains, obviously a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, he sleeps in a lounge till 10 o'clock, and then he walks to his sleeping room, and he said, into your hands I commend my spirit. Yep. And he asked his friends and pastor to pray that God would intervene in the Council of Trent. And then at 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, he suffers another excruciating bout of pain and repeats again the words of Christ, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he prayed, I thank thee, O God, 
the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he goes there and talks about his faith in Jesus and finishes up, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. What did the two pastors ministering to him, his friends, as he lay on his deathbed say, and what did he reply? I think this well, is very important. One of them shook him because he's just about dead, mm. and he says, Reverend Father, do you die in the faith of your Lord Jesus Christ and in the doctrine you preach in his name? And the answer was a clear and distinct yes. And he turns on his side, 2.45 a.m., and he dies. And so ended one of the most remarkable lives of any man who ever lived. That's for sure. When did he die? What was the date? Did we know how 18, old he was? 18 of February, 1546. And how old was he? Do we know offhand? Well, or? he was born in 83, so that would make him 17, yeah. um, 63. Yeah, old for those times, though. It was. Hunty, that's almost your age, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Thanks. Um, so here you've got really a man who you'd say is the father of the Protestant Reformation, although there are many others. What does the Catholic, the modern-day contemporary Catholic Church, think about him today? Well, there's been a great reapproachment between the Catholics and the Lutherans that started with Martin Luther, and in fact, they've signed an agreement and they've agreed on most things and they acknowledged that there were abuses back in Luther's time, but that's in the past, and Luther is now someone who is just a bit ahead of his time, probably. How do you think Luther would go with that agreement? I don't. I think he would turn in his grave if he heard that. Yeah, I think he'd struggle too, because they have recanted themselves many of the Protestant dogmas that Martin Luther risked his life for and others died for. Um, what influence has he on Protestantism today? Well, Luther, if Protestantism and the protest was against what was being taught and that salvation is in Jesus, there is no indulgences, your, your sins are forgiven only by faith, and Luther is really the father of Protestantism. Yeah, yeah. Can we learn anything from his life, Harold? Last question. Yeah. His scriptures that he, were meant so much to him, it gave him peace, it gave him hope, and he translates them and shares the scriptures with his nation and the world. He's a fabulous fellow. I, a uh, great guy. Own renaissance in my own life with the gospel is somewhat reliant on him, and I think a lot of us who have found Jesus and the truth that we're saved by Jesus and Jesus alone can thank trailblazers like Martin Luther. As I said, he's not the only one. That's there's it. Huss, there's Jerome, there's Wycliffe, there's Tyndall, there's Knox, there's a whole heap of them. There's Calvin. But Luther really stands head and shoulders above most, and we have much to thank him. Sure. Thank you, Harold, for another wonderful story. Look forward to seeing you again real soon. Okay. All the best. Thank you, Lord. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. The old rugged cross made the differences. Before you go there, I think we get one more shout-out for us, the Aussie pastor. You're not getting too much through, eh? <laughs> oh, I just want to give people a chance. 
on on Sydney and Australia's most listened radio program. That's right. <laughs> You're not getting enough through, so go for it, Okay, brother. okay, one last chance. Ask Delsie Passas coming up um, after this song. If you want to ask a question to Pastor Lloyd, you can text it to us on 0488 880851 or you can email them to us, info at aussiepastor.com. Martin Luther, for him it was all about the cross and yep. this song is all about the cross. Bill Gaither Trio, am I right? Yep. You just give me a funny look there, mate. Uh, no, I, while we were doing the previous interview, I had to change the song. I had a different version of the old rugged cross lined up. Oh. That's right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it would have been all right. Either one will do, I suppose. It was Alan Jackson's version. Oh, that's a good one too. Oh, good. Yeah. But we just had Alan Jackson. This is not Alan Jackson. Nope, this is, this is uh, a Bill Gaither Bill trio. Gaither, yep. Let's go for it, mate. Was a life with aimless desperation Without hope walk the shell Oh, oh, man Then a hand With a nail print Reached downward Just one touch Then a new life began And the
Hey, Hunty, who was singing that? Well, I reckon it was a Bill Gaither trio. Are you sure? Yes, positive. <laughs> because that's, that's what the computer says. He's, he's computer says everything is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go check that song after this program to see if it's the right one. Because <laughs> I reckon it's not. I reckon we've I reckon we've had a rogue song come in, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It was a beautiful, but I'm still going to go check. We like rogue. I think I, I think I'm prepared to bet that that's the song on the list. Okay, I'm prepared to have a go at that Ooh, one. And we're away we'll, again. We'll, we'll let our we'll let our listeners <laughs> yeah, know. We will. <laughs> okay, let's go. Time we'll, for Ask the Aussie Fast. Yeah, ask the Aussie Fast. Yes, yeah. got a great question here from Alex. Yeah. Why did the True Church split and become the Roman Catholic Church? And what role does the Catholic Church and the Pope have in the prophecies in relation, say, in Revelation in the end times? I think why he's saying what what that question is, if I understand it rightly, is why did the early Apostolic Church split, and you have the Catholic Church and the and and the Apostolic Church? Um, that probably started not long after Jesus. That split where things like the Sabbath and baptism were done away with for for Sunday, which was a pagan day. Infant baptism, which is infant baptism, you won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Um, so why do they split? Look, I I got a simple answer for that, Hunty. Yep, because I never read the Bible. Okay, it really is as simple as that, mate. Wow. When we read the Bible, we and we've got the Holy Spirit, we find the truth. And the Bible will lead you to all truth. And whenever you have a split like happened in the early apostolic church, as it did split, one went into a more secular, uh, in a, one, one half of the people went into a more secular re- religion where the local paganism of the day had an impact and brought some of their customs and belief into the church. The other stayed very close to God. They were very faithful. One group, the people who stayed faithful, were incredibly tied to scripture. The others weren't. So because when you're not tied to Scripture, you can let these secular things come in and you end up being far, far away in time from where God would have you be. Mm. So I hope that answers that, but I think it's pretty much a simple one. Read your Bible. You won't split, you won't split from the truth. Don't read it. You'll wander. It doesn't matter who you are. Thank you, Alex, and thank you for listening. All right, the next question is from Wayne and Ashley. Hey, Lloyd, my question is, why did God send three wise men to find Jesus? What is the significance of this? And he says he loves listening and watching to your programs. Give up the good work. Thanks, uh, you guys. We love having you on board. We too. do. We do. How many wise men were sent, Hunty? Uh, three. Would you bet on that? No. What do you reckon? Uh, frankincense, myrrh, gold. What are the presents they brought? Yeah, that you just hit them nail on the head. Oh, good. So three? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So three. Actually, we don't know. Oh. <laughs> we don't know how many wise men came. They brought three gifts, but it doesn't mean there were three wise men. They came. This is a good Christmas question. Right. They come from the east. I think there's a couple of things significant about this. Number one, they were studying the Bible and they found Jesus in prophecy and they went looking for Jesus, the prophet, in prophecy, the Messiah, when he was due to arrive. God actually sends a star and that star were angels and they followed the angels. So the first thing is these were men who were into God's word, knew the prophecies and knew the Messiah was due. That's the first reason. Yep. The second reason is I think that when they turned up, it's a testimony in the scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. That 
these men were studying, that they had found Christ, the Messiah, that he was Jew, that he was to be born, and they turned up right on time. Mm. It's a testimony to who Jesus is. Absolutely. So I think there's a couple of reasons why, and there could be more, but they're the ones that I think of right offhand. Mm. And, and, you know, the, the presents they brought, um, I heard a sermon once, they're symbolic. Oh. Um, symbolic of his life, of his ministry, and his death. That one's worth following up, isn't it? Can we do a yes. Bible study on that? Let's, Let's do it. You, now, you've got to mark that next down. Week. Let's do Bible the study short, next short week Bible study. That's a series we do online. Let's yes. do that one, the three pet presents the wise men oh, brought. Very good. Okay, Hunty's desperately looking for <laughs> a pen <laughs> and paper. <laughs> it's all right. Because <laughs> I hold him to it, I will, too. I will recover this later. <laughs> yep. Hey, this next question. Um, firstly, do you know about Revelation 2010 before I ask the question? I think we better read it. Okay, let me ask the question while you look it up. Okay. This is from our good friend, uh, David Edgrove in Western Australia. He asked more questions than anyone, he any other listener we've got. very good questions, yes. Yep, he, he's our number one asker of questions. Yes. Well, he's let, trying let, to let, me, let me read Revelation okay. 20, verse 10 yep. before you. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, there, where they were okay, where they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Kind of, okay, yep. Let's hear the question, then I'll answer it. I think that's the question. He wants uh, some amplification. And he wants well, I'm guessing that David might be thinking that's talking about an eternal, eternal hellfire. Hell. I'm with you. Um, you've got to go back to the original language here, and this is yep. worth a Bible study too. So you're going to put this one down. That's two. Yeah, two. Okay. What is hell? But let me give you the short answer. Um, the devil is a real being who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They, they're symbolic of great powers. So you have Satan and two great powers that are thrown into the fire where they're tormented day and night forever and ever. If you go back to the original language, what it's really meaning, Hunty, is that there is a separation from God, that they cease to exist, and, of course, there's a torment in that. But I'm going to do a Bible study on that. Yeah, can we talk about Solomon, Gomorrah and other things in that Bible study? We'll see. Let's see. I'll tell you what I'm going to do on that one, though, Hunty, because it's worth a lot more time. Yep. That's the one we're going to do in the next five or six days. On Short Short Bible Study, that one's coming up real and soon. We'll do hell. So three wise men in hell. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> three wise men in hell. Because <laughs> that, that's a, the reason I say that, that, Great that, sermon that, title. that, that question can't be answered in, in two sentences. No. In a segment like this, That's it true. deserves time. Very so true. we're going to do a, a complete Bible study on that. And if you want to know where that Bible study is found, you just go to Aussie Pastor Facebook page or AussiePastor.com website or Aussie Pastor YouTube page. And it'll be out in the next week or two. That's right. Definitely. Just now, follow, follow our YouTube or our it. Facebook that's page, right. Aussie Pastor. You will see this one come up. And it's a short, short Bible study. That's the title. Yeah, it goes 15 minutes. Yeah. This next question also from, from our good mate David. He would like to know if John the Baptist ate black locusts, plant buds and wild honey in the wilderness, making him a plant-based vegan. No. Okay. That was he, quick. He was eating, he was eating real live flesh grasshoppers. And the last part? Locusts, locusts. He was eating locusts. Locusts. Yeah. yeah. We know that again because if you go back to the original language, that's very clear. Wow. So, we can like ve- – I'm not a vegan. Hunty's not a vegan. I'm not a vegan, no. Um, my wife pretty much is a vegan. Good on her. Yeah, wasn't, but she is now. Well good, done, Lizzie. Good on Liska. Yep. But So has she um, given away her, her favourite evening meal? 
Chicken's gone. Yeah, chicken's Chicken, gone. Fish. Very now and again, but not a whole lot. She's wow. gone. She's gone vegan. Good. I should, I, I should follow her. You've got to be careful when it comes to scripture that we don't try to push onto the scripture our desires and wants. Yep. Now, we might become vegan for good reason. Uh, and I think it wouldn't hurt you and me, Hunty, to be vegan, my friend. I think we'd be both looking a lot healthier and looking a lot fitter and a lot better if we were. But hmm. <laughs> he don't like that. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty close to I'm pretty close to vegetarian. <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment. <laughs> no, I will not comment on that. All right, let me move on. Let's get the. Like, I'm, I'm not finished. I'm not. Oh, finished. not finished. But you can't. <laughs> Even if you are a vegan, what you can't do, and it's a mistake, and I see people doing it all the time, you can't impress upon the Bible your beliefs when they're not there. Yep. John the Baptist ate locusts. They are a clean food, one of the cleanest foods you can eat when it comes to meat. Yeah, they are, hunty. Wow. They're a clean food. And he was with, in his biblical uh, prerogatives to eat the locusts. They weren't some bean. They were locusts. Right. You've been down there, Hunty, with me. It's a desert. Yes. The only thing you find are locusts and beetles and bugs. And the locusts would be by the river where there's just a tiny little bit of grass. Right. Yeah, so he was eating locusts. He was eating real locusts. I'm sorry, David, to disappoint you with that answer, <laughs> okay. mate. But God bless you and your veganism and keep going. All right, David's last question is, we know man can't change our birth certificates and dates and wedding certificates and dates. So why does man, as in Emperor Constantine and the Catholic Church, change the seventh day Sabbath to Sunday? Oh, well, look, it, it, the Sabbath changing to Sunday, another Bible study. Yep. Put that one down. Right, so three wise men, uh, hell on Sabbath and Sunday. Three wise men, what is hell? Yep. And we're going to do Sabbath, to Sabbath and Sabbath. Sunday. A lot of Bible studies coming out of this one. There are. Uh, look, the Sabbath started to change long before the Catholic Church came onto the scene. In fact, in the first century AD, literally as soon as Jesus had gone back to heaven, the early Christian church, uh, certainly elements of it, began to worship on Sunday to, to, to celebrate the resurrection, to try and, in some sense, separate themselves from Judaism from the Jews. Problem is that that was never in the Scripture. So because they were doing it doesn't mean that it was the right thing. Um, so, yeah, that was where the Sabbath started to change, and it, it just went gradually, so... You get to about 500 AD, and the, ch- the change in Christianity was almost universal. Um, and you only have small groups of Sabbath keepers right around the world. Some were in Ireland with St. Patrick. Some of them were on the island of uh, um, Iona with Columba. You know, the Waldenses up in the Italian Alps were keeping the Sabbath. The, uh, the Coptics in over in... Um, Ethiopia were keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath was being kept, hunty, but pretty much by about 500 AD it had changed. And again, the reason it changed is because they weren't reading their Bibles. Yep, yep. I hear people, even before we move on Mm. from that one, I hear people talking about New Covenant, Old Covenant, oh, Sabbath is part of the Old Covenant. To be honest, that's pretty much a lot of nonsense. Um, If the Sabbath is part of the Old Covenant, so is thou shalt not murder. And so is uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. So is um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. That's silly stuff when you say that. In fact, Paul says in Romans 3.31, if I have faith, if I have grace, do I um, annul the law? He said, God Mm. forbid, I actually uplift Mm. it. The law doesn't save you, but it's evidence that you're in a saving relationship with Christ. So this old new covenant stuff and trying to do the Sabbath away, it doesn't work. Mm. Alrighty, next question. 
I cannot hear God. I can't see him or feel him. How do I know he exists? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm. Um, mm. The only way I can experience God is to spend time with him, and I spend time with him, and I say this week after week, don't I? I spend time with him in prayer. I spend time with him in Bible study. I spend time with him whenever I'm in a small group Bible study or prayer meeting, whenever I'm at church, in fellowship, celebrating worship, I'm with God. So as you spend time with God, prayer, Bible study, at church, and in these areas where God is, he becomes a reality to you. So if you're not feeling him, if you don't see him, if you don't sense him, get into these places where he has, where he is, and it's going to become pretty, it's going to become pretty obvious that he is there, he is real, and it, it'll happen to you pretty fast. Mm-hmm. He's real for me. I can testify to that. Well, next question. Is there any proof that Jesus was a historical figure? Yeah, there is. Number of historians talk about Jesus. Mm. Josephus is one of them. Mm, he was, he was, yeah, uh, Josephus was one of the, the probably the most prolific Roman historians of all time. He he was a Jew actually. He he was there at the fall of Jerusalem in AD seventy. In fact, was instrumental in that battle. It's another story, but wow. he talks about Jesus. He talks about Christians, and as you say, Pliny and others. There's plenty of info out mm, there that Jesus historians. was a real figure. Yep. Was, was a real historical figure. Hmm. Alrighty, well, we're getting through our questions. Good, lot today, mate. Yeah, we, we do. like it's, that. It's eh? Great, love yeah. questions. Yeah. How is it that people lived to such fantastic ages before the flood? I don't know. Yeah, that's Good a question. Fantastic, that's a great question. question. I mean, before the flood, they were living to nine hundred. I think the oldest was Methuselah. Nine sixty-nine was it? Yeah, Methuselah actually means year of the flood or something like that. And the year Methuselah wow. died at nine hundred and sixty-nine years of age, the flood came. He was like Noah's great. Great grandfather or something. Yeah, um, wow! I haven't got a clue why they lived so long. You can. I've heard all sorts of fabulous reasons why. Yep. But I don't know. Mm. All I know is they did. Would be okay, man. If you lived to nine hundred and sixty-nine years of age at fifty-eight, man, I'd be. I'd be a teenager. Be a spring chicken. Yeah, we would. Be great, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, did God accept polygamy in the Bible? Oh, this idea of having more than one wife. Mm. Well, I, I've got one wife, and I, I've got my hands full with her. Didn't Solomon have about a thousand? Look, Abraham had more than one wife. Jacob had more than one wife. I think Isaac was was the one who who didn't. Um, I'm just thinking, who else? You go to David had heaps of wives. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the great tragedies is Solomon. Yeah, because he had a thousand plus wives and concubines, concubines and yeah. if you go to the story of Song of Solomon, it's actually the love story of where Solomon meets the woman of his dreams. He he kind of I don't know. Do you know that story? He kind of dresses up as a shepherd. He's the king, but he goes into one of the local villages disguised. Do you know it, do you, Hunty? <laughs> it's ringing a bell, yeah. And while he's disguised, he meets a beautiful girl there, like my Liska, who has brown skin. And she has brown skin because she's out in the um, paddocks with the sheep. Yep. She's beautiful. Yep. But apparently in that culture, white skin was seen as more beautiful than brown, but she was stunning. Mm. She didn't think she was. So Solomon is herding the sheep with her. She doesn't know he's the king. And cut a long story short, he says, I'm going away, but I'll come back for you. And she's wrapped at that. She thinks she's fallen in love with a shepherd boy. He comes back as the king and claims her as his bride. 
Mm. And somewhere, somehow, that beautiful story unravels, and he ends up with thousands of wives. Mm. Does God support it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was always a sin. I think it was always wrong. You go back to Genesis chapter 2, very clear that a wife, a woman, not women, a woman will leave her parents and cleave, or no, a, a husband will leave, leave his parents. parents and cleave to his wife, wife yep. to his wife, not his wives. Yep. And so in the Bible, now you don't have to, plenty of people don't go by the biblical um, paradigms anymore when it comes to marriage, but in the Bible, marriage is between one man yep. and one woman. And I don't think that polygamy was acceptable back then to God. In fact, every single story in the Bible that deals with polygamy talks about it in a negative mm. way. Okay. All righty, moving on. This next How question. How many more we got, bro? We've got a couple more. Yeah, okay. a couple more. You're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. Um, this next question's got a bit of a, a predestination feel to it. Calvinists believe that some people are destined for salvation and others are not. Is that what the Bible teaches? Well, that's a great reformer, Calvin, the great Swiss reformer, and he preached and taught that some people are, dest- are born destined for salvation and some aren't. Uh, it's anathema to the gospel. Yeah, In other words, agreed. that's not what the Bible teaches. Agreed. Jesus himself said, For God so loved the world that whosoever, not whoever I elect, but whosoever believeth in me Me. should not perish Perish. but have everlasting life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really, there are two great streams of Protestant Christianity. There's um, Calvinism and Arminianism. The Calvinists believe in predestination. Adventists, which are part of the great Arminian tradition, we don't believe in that. We believe that everybody has a chance of salvation if they choose choose Jesus. Yeah, nice. I think the Bible says that clearly too, Hunter. I believe so too. Yeah. Uh, now, our last question, <sighs> which is a good one because I actually have the same question. I don't know the answer to this. How did they put the Bible together? Who decided what books were in and what books were out? Well, the Old Testament was put together by Israel, and we don't know how it was really put together. It just was. It mm. was thousands of years ago, millennia, it was put together, and we've accepted it really from day one as, as, as Scripture. I think we, we're safe because Jesus accepted the Old Testament as Scripture. So if Jesus confirmed it's Scripture, I think that's fair enough. Um, the New Testament, um, it was put together by the early apostolic church. Wow. Mm. By the early church fathers. They put the books together. They put the books together from from uh, from the apostles. They're the ones who decided and they put it in. It served us well. It has. Old and New Testament. I believe the Bible. We can be sure of it. It is God's word. Mm-hmm. Now, Hunty, one more time before you go. If you wanted to get a question in, we're finished today. As a long, we have. I feel that like was a long haul today. That was a good lot of questions. I feel like I've been talking a long time. Thank you. But if you want to get the questions in for next week, and next week you can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is info at aussiepasta dot com. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Starting to like these Homeland singers. Yeah, me too. We've played a few of their songs now. We have. Oh, this is a beauty, this one. I've never been this homesick before. Talking about heaven, mm. and how we're longing for Jesus to come. Amen. And for heaven to start.
That's a good song. You're with us, Hunty. Yep. I reckon I'm with you. You enjoy that? Okay, oh. you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> that sounds like whisker. <laughs> There's a lot of noise in the background. There is. We're having a few technical <laughs> challenges here. Nice little gap at the beginning of that last song. Did you hear, Hunty? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Save me, Lisker. Are you there? Hi. <laughs> Welcome I'm back, here. welcome back, Liska, to the chaos of uh, Aussie Pastor and Hunty Live. I was just thinking, actually, Hunty, we're going to have to start change the, the the beginning of this. It's no longer the Aussie Pastor Live; it's the Aussie Pastor and Hunty oh, no, Live. No, 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 no. I'm only here as a gap filler till we find someone else to to host with you. Yeah, that will never happen. Not replacing you, my old mate, uh, Lizzie. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Is dinner on the way, babe? They're working. <laughs> he doesn't deserve dinner for what he said about Lucky. Did you hear that earlier? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Lizzie, I don't remember. I don't remember that conversation. <laughs> of course, you don't remember that conversation. <laughs> but I've reminded you of it many times. <laughs> Poor old Lucky girl. She was she was going to be allowed to sleep on our matrimonial bedroom floor. And that never happened. A broken promise. Oh, dear. That's not why I got you here, Lizzie. I wanted to talk to you more about your um, walk with Jesus long before I came along. Um, You had an interesting life. You were telling us last week that you were brought up a Christian in the Muslim nation of Indonesia, but you had a pretty good upbringing. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Played on played on the streets, peaceful time, went to church, really no persecution in the Muslims. Christians got on really well, that's right? Yes. In fact, some of your best friends are still Muslims from back home yep. in Indonesia, yep. Jakarta. So you got baptised and then you got married to a pastor and you moved to Singapore, correct? Yes, correct. Singapore was good, huh? Singapore was good. Um it's actually preparing me, bef- it's like it's preparing me before I come to Australia. Because when I moved to Singapore, I didn't really know how to speak English. Like, I understand, but speaking is a different matter. So, it's, um, English is a second language for Singaporeans too. Okay. So, it's good, like, yeah. So, you learn to speak English in Singapore? Yes. Your oldest son was also born there too, Daniel. Yes. Did you like Singapore? The food's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I always miss Singapore. <laughs> and some of your best friends are still there. That's right. Um, did your relationship with Jesus strengthen over there with the things that happened that brought you into a deeper walk with Jesus in Singapore? Or did you plateau? Um, how did that go? It was up and down. I can... I, yeah, I think that's how I I can best dis, best describe it. It's it was up and down. So you were but, still looking for for stability in your walk with Jesus. Yes, yes. And you know when you're go, going through problems, um, yeah, it's not easy. Because your marriage, even though you're married to a pastor, and and we know this ourselves, Lizzie, there's no guarantee that that makes marriage easy. Um, your marriage yeah. was starting to struggle. You move, you move to Australia. Um, how did you find that? So you've gone, you've gone from Jakarta to Singapore and now to Australia. How how did you find moving to Australia? It was actually not that difficult for me because I have, like like I said, uh, it's like God has preparing me before to live in Singapore. So when I moved to Australia, I didn't really have a a, a culture shock in a way. I can communicate. Okay, so so you could easy. you could speak English pretty well. Did you work? Mm. Did you work? Um I started as a volunteer like few days after I arrived. I started as a volunteer at the Adventist Age Care. And then I went back home to get my permanent resident. <laughs> to in order to get the permanent resident, I have to go back home to Indonesia when I was already in Australia. So when I came back to Australia, they offer me the job. And you've been working there ever since. Yes, <laughs> two thousand four. Since two thousand four. Actually, the first time I ever met you was at the retirement village. Yeah. I think we can thank that retirement village for bringing us together, Liska. And I wasn't <laughs> in there as a as a as a patient. No, what do they call them? Not a patient. A resident. I wasn't inmate. An inmate. <laughs> You're going to get into trouble. <laughs> You'll get into trouble, aren't you? No, I wasn't in there as a resident either. Uh, uh, um, you had another son. Yes, Emmanuel was born in Australia in 2006. And then we won't go into this too much, but your marriage broke up. How did that leave you? So you're, you're, the reason I ask you that is you're an Indonesian girl in Australia. You can speak English, but it's still fairly new. Yeah. 
and you've got yeah. two sons and your marriage breaks up, I, I think your husband left the country or, or, or it wasn't a Yes, right. yes. Um, it was very, very hard, very, very tough. Uh, it was like a character-building experience. Because you weren't really making enough money in your job to survive, correct? Yeah. I actually let out some of the rooms in my house so people can live with me to help me to pay the rent. Actually, you're very ingenious. The first time I really met you, I think you had two of the four bedrooms in the house let out. Was that correct? Yes. Very, very ingenious, which is very Indonesian, by the well, way. Well, you have to do whatever it takes to survive. Yeah. What mm. place did God play in your survival? Uh, I think I came to a place one day where I had no one to turn to but God. So that's the day when I sat and I, I prayed to God. Um, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I will surrender everything to you, but you have to look after me. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what I said. And God is very true to his promise. He's a faithful God, and he looked after me from that day. Like, he's been looking after me, but from that day, I surrender completely before I try to do things on my own. But from that day, I just leave everything in his hand. What did you learn in those very hard times? Because they were hard times. You were struggling yes, to pay yes. rent. You were yes. struggling to put food on the table. You had car uh, car loans. Um, actually, he's, he was looking after me really well. God is looking after me really well. So can I, I, can don't I say really... this, Liska? You <laughs> often say that you are better off with God than you are with me. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You say that, that. That, that God looked after you better financially than I do, correct? <laughs> I think she's told me a few times I had more money in the bank when God was my husband than you. <laughs> true? It's true. What I learned from those times where I was on my own was that God is faithful. God was faithful and he is still faithful to me. Have you any particular story that stands out? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I was, I had one car. It was in uh, what do you call that, Lloyd? Car loan. Yeah, you had a car loan. High purchase. High purchase agreement. Lease. lease. On a lease. On oh, a lease. A lease. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you have to pay like six hundred per month. Can you imagine six hundred per month? That's and actually was... a big lease even today, isn't it, mm, Auntie? On a car. Heavy. Is it? Well, I don't know. For a twenty-five thousand dollar car, it's heavy. I think it was yeah, a bit anyway, more than that. Actually, um, I, 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 and I only work part time. I have to pay six hundred per month, and then at and the lease is coming to an end. And at the end of the lease, I have to pay like twelve thousand or fourteen thousand to keep the car. Yeah, okay. balloon. Yep. Oh my goodness! So I never yeah, had you, that. once you paid the lease out, you still had to pay another fourteen thousand. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yep. Um. I never had such a huge debt in my life. Um, so I tried to sell actually two stories. Uh, first time we had two cars. So I wanted to sell the 
cheaper car to pay for the monthly payment. Yep. That one and the car, the lease company rang, ringing me. I didn't know about this lease. Yeah. It just, it, it's not under my name, but it's the, ha- the car is in my house. So the lease company rang me asking for payment. I said, uh, can you just give me one week? I'm trying to sell my car. And the guy was like, you can't sell a car that fast. <laughs> I said, just give me one week. So, I've been, so I prayed for one week. I had ulcer all over my mouth because I was so stressful. I never really trust, like put God in, you know, in like trying to trust God completely. I never experienced that before. So I just pray and uh, advertise my car. So I had to pay on Monday. On on Friday, someone rang. He came to see the car. No, on Sunday, the person came. Sunday came and then he said, and then he went home. And then in the morning, Monday, he rang and said, I'm... I'll take the car. And I said, okay, let's meet at the bank. So he gave me cash. <laughs> You're going to meet at the bank. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I'm scared he give me fake money. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I never see. The car was only like about 5000 so 6000 It's not an expensive yeah. car. But I never have $5,000 in my hand. So I received the money and bank it straight away. And I pay for the a lease payment it was actually already one year payment the car was not paid for one year wow the monthly payment because i didn't know anything about this so okay that one that's one story so and god sells the car one, god sells the first car then the second car and then the second car the second car this is the one I'm, you owe fourteen thousand on the lease is over but you still owe fourteen thousand yes yes i uh, yeah after that i still have to pay some month monthly until the end of the lease but i don't want to keep the car because it's too expensive i can't i don't have fourteen thousand. i don't it was twelve thousand or fourteen thousand. i forgot so i put the car on the on, on on the market yep for two months no one ring and ask about the car and then one after two months someone came and looked at the car and then he was like, uh, I asked for the certain amount, and then he said, "Nah, it's I don't, you know." He didn't agree with the with the price, so he he just he left. And then I prayed, I I I prayed again, and I asked God, God, please, if I have to sell this car to this guy, let him ring me again. I didn't want to ring him. Yeah. <laughs> let him ring and we consider a, a certain, you know, and yeah. we came up to it with an agreement. So he rang me the day after. <laughs> he rang me the day after. And he, when he rang, I was like, uh, okay, let me pray one more day. <laughs> so I prayed one more day. I forgot the details, but the next day I, I rang and then so we agreed with the, with the price and then so I sold my car with him. And you got out of immediate, really deep financial yes, trouble yes yes and but gone. from the first car experience i can that's a learning experience for me that i can trust god that he look after me that he cares for me that he listened to my prayers 
What advice would you give people facing troubles, Lizzie? Because I know your story a lot more intimately than this and you went through many challenges and great, great troubles and trials and God did. It, your story, you could write a book about how amazing <laughs> God, God. One of the things that attracted me to Lizzie was her walk with God and how powerful it mm. was. Amen. What advice would you give people facing troubles? Because there's plenty of people listening right now who have them. Trust God. How do, you, trust how do you do that? I just surrender everything to him. In prayer. It was not easy initially, yes, yes. It was not easy initially, but because it's hard to trust someone, you know. But, you but once you prove that he can be trusted, after that, I have, I have no fear about my future, about anything. I just trust him. It's a beautiful story, Lizka. Thanks mm. for coming on today. Mm. God no bless problem. you. Keep Thanks walking for having with, me. Keep walking with God. Yes, I am. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Thank Lloyd. You, Lizka. See Thank you, Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Lizzie has a lot more. She does. Going on there, I know. I know for more details than that stories too. Yeah, yeah. But it was a great. It's, it is great when you see the way the Lord has blessed Lizzie. I mean, first and time I meet her, she's got. I reckon it was actually was it two or three girls, three girls, three, three girls. girls. You turn back on. Hey, Lizzie, how many were living in that house at Normanhurst? Three girls, three of you. I think we've got her on hang mute. On, on, on. Three, because two bedrooms upstairs, you know, there, yeah. there are two bedrooms upstairs, and then there's another self-contained room downstairs. Three. Three. Yeah. Oh, and the little flat underneath. Yeah, that's the one yeah. downstairs. That's the one. Yeah. I lived in there for yeah. a while. For about three weeks, I think. <laughs> and we turfed you out for noisy behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> Raucous behaviour, love it. Yeah, so it was a great... Um, journey Lizzie went on. I heard um, her walk with the Lord and her faith in Jesus inspired me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so this next song I think probably works for Lizka. Um, again, it's Bill Gaither trio, Look What Happened to Me. I was travelling down Satan's Highway when I met the Christ of Calvary. I was near to despair when the Lord found me there and he told me of his better way. I believed him, I had nothing to lose, so the Lord I did choose. Oh, I'm so glad what happened that day. My sins were so many, he just took them away. The burden I carried, he lightened that day. I'm a soul set free And the man I was you no longer see Just look, just look what's happened to me It's a new life I'm living Every day God is given more reason I should follow Him For time after time He shows to me What it means to be saved from sin Hallelujah, oh I'm glad that I opened up my heart So to Him and I ask Him to come into my heart He saved me from sin I've been so happy since I let him come in Oh, look, just look what's happened to me Look, just look what's happened to me I'm a new creation, I'm a soul set free And 
That's the Bill Grafer trio again, Hunty. Yep, we are featuring these guys today. Yeah, yeah, that's because they sing good songs. That's right. If I could, I'd love to go to the United States of America and, um, I don't know. Get um, on a Christian music junket? <laughs> That'd be nice. I don't know about a Christian music junket, but I'd love to go there and... Is that what you call them when you get on one of those cruises? They have, they have cruises where they have guys like Faith First and Heritage and Bill Have you Gaither been on one of them? Ever? No, uh, Never. We, well, COVID. I did go to Alaska on the last one that the last family reunion that they did. You did, didn't you? Just after they all got off the cruise, so I did the concert in Alaska. Oh, afterwards. You, could you have gone on the cruise? If I'd had the dollars, I could have. Oh, you would have had to have paid. You couldn't get a gig on the. Actually, I could have got a Sangi, but it would have been like two, three weeks off work, and I don't think that was possible at the time. Oh, it is if I'm the boss. I would have loved it. I tell you, don't, don't point at me. I never banned you from going to Alaska. I'd be all for it. I had a great time in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you went over there in the summer, correct? Yes, because the sun didn't set. So you were walking around at two or three in the morning. Felt oh, I looked out my window and there's kids on skateboards riding around. And I, and I said to the parents, I said, you don't mind your, your kids out all night? And they said, if you knew what cabin fever was like in winter when it's permanently dark. So a, kid, a kid's in the street at two and three in the yep, morning. The parents say we let them go and a sunshine. So when do they sleep? Whenever they want. Ah. Okay. Yeah. And what were you, so you, at the end of a cruise where all these musicians were. Mm. They came into Alaska to do a big concert evangelistic series in the middle of town. For, for the Alaskan people? Yes. Did they turn up? Yes. Place was packed. Powerful? Powerful. So in Music your, and preaching and. Your specialty is sound generally, is that right? You're a television. sound engineer. TV and sound. But you're a sound engineer by trade. That's what you started as. Uh, yeah, and TV. I started in both. I, I thought you were just sound. That was your expertise. Oh, no. I, st- I started in sound as a kid in church, but I, my, my first job was... I think Hunt, he's having trouble with his microphone. My first job was in television. <laughs> Not sound? No. Oh, why do I think you're a sound technician? Because I do love sound. Is that, your, is that your first love? It's a passion. I really do love it. So how many outreach programs do you think you've done around the world over the years? Uh, for years I was doing quite a lot. I haven't done so many recently, but for years I well, was we've doing... We've been tied down. You know, a we half were supposed a dozen. to go to Papua New yeah. Guinea last year. Yep. Um, although the days of doing those big outreaches may be over, hun- hunting. They may be. Yeah. Because when, yeah. We're on, we're, when we're online now, we're reaching... What do we reach? Six million people I, in I the last 30 Facebook days. I last week and it was over a million. I think we're reaching six million in the... I've got it because I'm sending out our, our email shortly. Six million in 30 days. Yeah, we reach, which yeah, was praise the Lord. could be our record, and so when you're reaching those numbers, mm. probably the days of these big evangelistic programs. What's the biggest program you've ever been involved in? Uh, I did a program in Jamaica with uh, a guy named Pastor John Carter, and uh, that went off. Uh, we we filled up a seventy eighty thousand seat stadium. So that'd be the biggest one. Yeah, that's the biggest I've ever been part of. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the biggest one I've been part of. Actually, I did. I did a series in in the Medang with a guy named Pastor Tony Kemo. And if you count all the people in all the live venues around the Pacific, it was over a million live each night. Oh, you, yeah, okay. Well, you've done bigger than that. You did a program at Warunga when I was there with Doug Batchelor and Yeah, that had a, that had a lot of viewers too. But you, that had millions. And I think you, you did a, a something for the general conference too that we did it. We did the first, uh, World Youth Day. 
Which was an online program. An online program. And that really, that, that, that we had Facebook calling us, how on earth did you get 20 million viewers? Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Real. That was the biggest that they'd ever had to that time. Uh, Facebook said this is one of the biggest events we've ever seen. Yeah, probably yeah. still is actually. 20 million viewers, although I suppose they're putting football and everything on. Yeah, and so. the royal wedding I think was two-thirds of the earth watched that. I was in the one-third that didn't, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, in my entire life I've never watched a royal wedding. You know, that mission I did up there, that outreach I did in Leia, yep. place that you're – I did it on those three big Aussie rules football pitches. How many people you yeah, reckon? you probably had 100,000 people there. Really? Well, there's, it's easily – those stadiums easily got 30,000, 30,000 people on the flat, and then you've got the sides – there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. Yeah. But it was one of the most amazing experiences. You know, when you, when you, when you talk to our listeners as they listen today, and you've, the reality is, and I've said this to you many times, you've had a lifetime of serving Jesus in television and radio, but you've done it, not radio, television and sound. This is your first radio gig, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm a long way out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Um, and you've been around the world and you've, you've seen thousands and thousands of people, uh, listening, um, watching these events you've done. What is the most profound thing about the power of God that's impacted you? Um, look, I, it, it, seeing what Pastor John Carter did in the Philippines and in Jamaica blew me away. But then I was abs- my heart was absolutely touched in Medang because we were doing a, a live program with a pastor called Pastor Tony Kimo. And on the second night, I was talking with him. I said, I wonder how many people are watching us live via satellite. Because we were broadcasting to all the local regions in New Guinea and around the Pacific. Via satellite? Yeah. Uh, well, yes. The, what happens in, the, in New Guinea is one guy in the middle of town has a satellite dish, and he sucks down the signal, and then he pumps it down through all the cables in town so okay. he can get whatever he, whatever he wants to tune in. Yeah. That's what everyone watches. So we, we asked uh, the pastor from the pulpit to make an announcement. Please, send us a photo of where you're watching. And the next night, we got all these photos in of people looking at projectors, looking at stadiums, in stadiums, watching the program. And I thought, well, that's good. Praise the Lord. But then I read the emails. For example, one from Vanuatu said, uh, since, when does, since when does Pastor Tony Kimo preach in French. French? And I said, no, no, he's preaching in New Guinea Pigeon. They said, well, we're hearing him in French. Do you have a translator? And I said, no, we have no translator. We're not interpreting it. There's nothing going on. You are hearing him in PNG Pigeon. And he said, well, I'm sorry. Our whole crowd's listening to it in French. And the same went with uh, Solomon Island Pigeon in the Solomons. And Tonga which is and Tonga, different, which is different pigeons. These are all different languages. And the email said, "Since when does Tony Kimo preach in our language?" So what happens is Tony Kimo is preaching in pigeon English, pigeon, pigeon from New Guinea, and they're hearing him in their local dialect, local language. tongue. That's mm. the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And we're mm. about to look at that. So thanks for that, Hunty. Hey, um, one last question. Yeah, you are a humble bloke. Has it been worth serving the Lord? And have the adventures been? Uh, something to uh, serving the Lord is the most beautiful thing. And the adventures, how to, good to, are they to wake up and and have a job that makes me feel like I'm doing something for the Lord is just. And the adventure, oh, the adventures have been a bonus. Yeah, but well, having having a reason to jump out of bed each day and be excited about what I do, it's just so amazing. I often say to Hunty, "You could die, Hunty, today. You could die." And if you were to die, you could never complain because the Lord's given you the most amazing life. Amen to that. 
You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. My life is in your hands. Yes, faith first. Faith this first. is your group. Love these and guys. I reckon this is the story of your life. Jesus, yes. my life yes. is in your hands.
think Hunty, uh, both you and Lizzie can sing that song. Oh, oh, what a ripper. My life is in your hands. And Faith First, these are special. We keep saying this week by week because I keep choosing their songs. Um, these are special friends of yours, aren't they? Mm. Go back a long way. We do. In fact, one of the singers' dads, you work with him for a long, long He's time. He's the reason I have a career. Yeah, what was his name? Warren. Chad. He passed away, didn't he, a few years yeah, ago? Sadly, a couple of years ago, yeah. But his wife is still a good friend of yours, and she's living in the United States. I noticed she was watching our live program last night. Yeah, and she listened to our radio program too, because she's made a few comments. That's, that's Maybe nice. not live, but but I put the link up on Facebook yep. after this for people yep. to listen to. Um, I want to talk to you for a few minutes now about the Holy Spirit, Auntie. Yep. Because this is where we've been the last few weeks, the third person of the Godhead. Lots said about the Holy Spirit. He's misunderstood. Some call him the silent um, party in the in the Godhead. I don't think so. I think he's actually um, very uh, powerful and has a great impact on humanity. Oh yes. And I want to go to three chapters. I'm just going to over the next week or so. I don't know whether we'll finish today, Auntie. Yep. This is you know we do that series of short short Bible study. Yep. Well, here on the radio, it's a real it's short a real short, short, short Bible, Bible study. study. Have you yes. noticed my preaching shortened up at church since I've got into radio? <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> I've become a lot more concise. Yes. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has some things to say about the Holy Spirit. And if anyone knows anything about the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. I want to just look at a few things that he has to say, Auntie. Yep. Because I think it it it, it impacts us today. He's talking to us today. So this is Jesus. You got that? Yep. This is his words. He's talking. John chapter 14. John 14. I just want you to read verse 16 and 17. Okay. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Look at this. This is Jesus. Who's talking? Jesus. He says, I'll ask who? The Holy Spirit. Nope. Oh, the Father, sorry. <laughs> Love that. Ask the, ask the Father <laughs> to give you the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. You can see the Trinity here, can't you? Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, yep. Jesus, Holy Spirit. Yep. Jesus is talking. He says, I'll ask the Father. So there's two. And he'll give you an advocate. Do you know what an advocate is? Someone who intercedes on your behalf. Someone who stands between. Someone, someone helps you. You've got it. Someone who stands between. Yeah. So, Hunty, when you say a prayer, this is, this is what I want you to get today. When you say a prayer and that prayer ascends to heaven... Did you know that it goes through the Holy Spirit to Christ and onto the Father? That didn't occur to me. It does. Mm. That's what it means, an, in, uh, an advocate, someone who intercedes, intercedes someone who yeah. stands in between. Yep. So you've got uh, Jesus saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So Jesus goes to heaven yep. and he sends the Holy Spirit. And he, he, he identifies who it is. Yep. Now, notice here he says, he is the Holy Spirit. Yes. There are people out there who will tell you that the Holy Spirit is an entity, is a force of God, is not a real person. That's not what Jesus is saying here, is That's he? That's right. We believe it's three people. He doesn't say, it is the Holy Spirit. He says what? He is the Holy That's Spirit. That's personal pronoun. I did English. He, him, his. That's right. Personal pronoun. Yep. means a person. He is the Holy Spirit. And what does he do, Hunter? He leads you into all truth. You notice some of those questions we got today in um, Ask the Aussie Pastor? Yep. Say about the Sabbath? Yep. Why Why aren't people, why, why did the church start keeping Sunday? Yep. Well, it's because they weren't reading Scripture with the Holy Did you know you can read Scripture 
without the Holy Spirit and miss the truth. I get that. When you're reading the Bible, you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will be in your head yep. and in your heart so Always. that you'll, you'll get the truth. Yep. So you get the truth as you read the Bible because of the Holy Spirit, not because you're lead, reading the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, when you read the Bible, you're not going to get anything much. That's right. Just a story. A story. I've yep. seen guys do that. I yep. have seen some of the brightest biblical scholars in the world studying the Bible. They never had the Holy Spirit, and, yep. mate, they missed it. Sadly, I've done that. You've done that yourself? In my early years, yep. Missed the whole thing. I think we've all done that, mate. Mm. They, we, without the Holy Spirit, you will miss the deep ingrained truths of the Bible. And the blessings. Yeah, and the blessings. So you get some of the, mm. what the world would say, some of the greatest biblical scholars in the history of the world never had a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus that was rooted in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And because they never had that, they missed the truth of Scripture, and that's a disaster. Correct. He says, Jesus says, verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. truth. You want to know the truth, go to the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to come and possess you. Exactly. Now, this is interesting. The world cannot receive him. And why can't they receive him, hunty? What's it say? Because it isn't looking for him. Right. And so they don't recognize him. Yep. But I like what God says here through what Jesus says here, Mm -hmm. but you you know know him. him. Why do you know him? Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So how does he live with you now? I know how he lives in my life. How? How how does the Holy Spirit, because we're running out of time, we're going to have to continue this Bible study next week, but I've got to end on a practical, I've got to end on a practical Note here, how do you get the Holy Spirit? How can you be sure you got him? In my in my prayers to my Heavenly Father, I actually ask the Holy Spirit into my life daily. It is simple, isn't it? Mm. Jesus, send the Holy Spirit. I see people who think that to get the Holy Spirit, you've got to go to church and you stand up. You, you church respond. is good. Yeah, but it's not how you get him. No. Nope. You respond to an altar call. The pastor comes and lays a hand on That's your a head. Great start. He anoints you. That's not going to give you this Holy Spirit necessarily. No. They'll fall backwards or forwards in the church, yep. and they claim they have the Holy Spirit. It's not how it works. No. We're going to look at this in the next few weeks. How do I get the Holy Spirit? It is the most important teaching in Christianity. You get the Holy Spirit, and you hit the nail on the head simply by asking. Mm. So when you open your Bible... And you begin your Bible study and you say, Lord Jesus, send me the Holy Spirit. What did he say he would do here? He says, I will ask the Father. So here's Jesus interceding and he will give you. Who gives him to you? The Father. Yes. Another advocate, the Father. You ask, very clear, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. And when he comes, he leads you into all truth. Mm. I don't know how people do Christianity. I don't know how they do a walk with Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Mm, agreed. It amazes me when people deny the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and they claim that they have truth. You can't have truth. You can't understand truth. Correct. You can't even get a hold of truth unless you have the Holy Spirit. So as we close this Bible study today, if there's one thing you need to do, probably above all else in yep. your prayers, yep. ask, ask for, for the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit.
going to give that victory without the Holy Spirit. True. No other way. Yep. Hey, Auntie, this is a pretty big subject. We're going to keep going in the next few weeks. You know what? It is. I reckon we could spend a year talking about the Holy Spirit and it wouldn't be enough. Beautiful. I reckon the one thing that the Christian church misses and needs here in Australia and in the West more than anything else is the Holy Spirit. For sure. Is there anywhere our listeners can go if they want to find out more on this subject? Actually, yeah, we actually got a beautiful Bible study prepared. If you want to dig deeper... Uh, and you want to discover more it's of It's a series truths. of Bible studies, yes. actually, isn't it? Yes, if you want to dig deeper and find out more for yourself and get immersed in the Holy Spirit and what God's plan for your life is, we've set up a, a way you can text us this this word, Offer 301, as one word. If you text it to our, to our SMS number, or you can email it to info.ozzypastor.com, and the text number is 0488880851, and the email address is info. At Aussie Pastor, if you just send us offer three hundred one, we will so, send so you this text or write those yeah, words, text offer or email those words, and we will send you a link to this beautiful set of Bible studies where you can get closer to Jesus. And we're not following you on that link. It's a, it's a, no, it's a, it's anonymous. We it's won't, an we won't bug you. It's an independent thing. You can go there, yep. and you're going to find out a lot yep. more about Jesus and what we've been talking about on this radio program. Yep. We would love to um, to hear from you, and we'd love to send this beautiful Bible study series to you. Okay, thanks, Hunty. I've enjoyed today's program. Yeah, me too. I've enjoyed having you with us, listening, going for us, with yes, us. thank you, listeners. We yep. love having you all. On the journey, I think I'll finish with a prayer. That'd be great. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you. We are people who are poor, who struggle, we challenge, we have battles, and how we need Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit that comes with Jesus because he's the one who powers us. He's the one who shows us the truth. He's the one who intercedes with Jesus for us before the Father. And I just pray today that you'll hear our prayers and that you'll send the Holy Spirit and that we'll be humble enough to listen. Thank you, Lord, and not just listen but obey. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, um, do I have time to one more plug for the, for the free offer? <laughs> I don't know. You're the boss. Okay, fine. You? Okay, that number again. If you would like the free Bible study series, text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or email us info at aussiepastor dot com, and just put the words offer three hundred one, and we will send it out to you. Well, my name's Lloyd Grolman, and my name's Hunty, and we love you. We do love. We do our listeners. We love them. It's why we do it, isn't it? For sure. But you know what? I do. What is it? God loves you so much more. Yeah, he does. He loves us so much more. God bless you. God bless you, dude. Looking forward to seeing you next week. And if you want to pick up this program, just go to faithfm.com.au. Yeah. Mm. And go to listen to old programs or something. Uh, (laughs) You'll work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 